Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. If you're a business owner, work in corporate, or have a side hustle you're passionate about, you're going to want to stick around because I promise to ask the tough questions and talk about the things others shy away from. You know, what it's really like to own a business and be chronically ill. I'm going to give you that push you need towards following your dreams and be the friend you come back to week after week to talk about the real things in life and in business. If you have goals and are working towards them, if you're determined to be successful no matter what life's obstacles get in the way, this podcast is for you. Dream big and tune in. Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Supes. This is probably, honestly, the first time ever in what has been like three, four years of this podcast that I am a little bit nervous because I have a super special guest with us today. Her name is Amanda Bucci. And I don't even, there's so many ways to introduce her. I have literally been following her since probably 2016-ish. She is the reason for this business. She's the reason for this podcast. She's the reason I started YouTube back in 2017-ish while I was in the hospital. She is such an inspiration. I can't say enough amazing things about her. She's helped thousands of people in her community build businesses and grow their audiences. Now she's an author of a book called Followed, which you can get on Amazon and we'll talk all about. She had self-made seven-figure business owner, transitioned her audience so many times. Such an inspiration. Welcome to the show, Amanda Bucci. Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to hear just like your history with your podcast and how we're interconnected via the internet. That's so cool to hear. It's so crazy, hey, because like I've been doing the social media thing for a few years too. And when people are like, oh, like they'll come up to you and be like, it was because of you that blah, 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 blah. And they're like, so crazy because I don't know you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so funny because we see people do things online and then they essentially represent what we could possibly do for ourselves as well. So it's cool to hear, have like those moments of connection where we can hear from the people that we've been inspired by and the people that have been inspired by us. It's just what keeps us all going too. I think it's a good fuel. It's so true. It's so true. I found you when I think you were probably doing your last fitness show through Emily Hayden, I'm pretty sure. And she was like recording your last show. And then you were just so raw and authentic. And I really resonated with that. I was kind of in my fitness journey, but it's a sick and successful podcast. So I also have a chronic illness. So I was dealing with that and kind of was like, okay, well, maybe I will share on social. Definitely a failed YouTuber did like four videos with a camera that kept dying every 10 minutes. (laughs) Great. (laughs) But then really, exactly. And then in 2018 ish, I think I met you in 2018 or 19 at Pays to be Brave, one of the ones, but that really helped kind of start the business and start the podcast. So it was, yeah, it was um, full circle, but it was really like seeing you build that business and pivot and like talk about the things that inspired you that helped me be like, you know what? I don't have to talk about fitness and health always. And we can chat about that too. But I've gone through so much in your book, but I'm only halfway through because it came out on the 3rd of June, I believe. Is that when it launched? Yep. So June 6th. Okay. So I was like on the list. I'm like, I need this book as soon as it gets here. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm halfway through. It's literally for those of you, if you're watching on YouTube, it's all marked up, but I wanted to chat with you a little bit about your YouTube journey and you touch on it there on, on the moment where you kind of decided like, I'm going to follow kind of my own awakening and follow my path. And like, this isn't for me. What would you say to someone who is kind of going through that is I think I have a quote here from you somewhere that says like, social media is such a place to be yourself and to be authentic, but it almost kind of puts you in that place. It's really hard to pivot or shift. Yeah, it's such a it's such a difficult thing because when you build a personal brand like the way I did or the way that anybody would and you have an audience of people that follow you for something specific. For me it was fitness and then in the later years it was I pivoted to business and now I'm not pivoting away from business but I'm just like expanding into more personal development and spirituality and just consistently expanding the things and topics I like to talk about. Yeah. But it's such an interesting thing because when you build a brand, people follow you for something specific. And then you have to essentially talk them through. This is what I'm (laughs) doing. This is why I'm doing it. And you essentially, I know I did anyway, I had to grapple with so many feelings of expectation, pressure from other people, pressure that I put on myself even to continue doing the same thing. 
Yeah. And I have grown and evolved and changed so much in my journey to the point where I look at it. I'm like, is this <laughs> like, I trust my intuition so much. It's guided me to incredible places and it will continue to do so even when it looks weird. Absolutely. And that is like the North star always for me is how can I feel into what my intuition wants me to do, even if it looks confusing or like I have to let go of an identity. But with mm-hmm. social media, when you have a personal brand, you have this like persona that you build that you essentially create that's marketable. It has products, it has brands that it works with, and it has this kind of structure to it that is a version of you essentially amplified and structured in a way that's like, this is the stuff that I'm going to put on social media and this is what people know about me. And when you start changing or shifting that, it does disrupt the familiarity and the ease and the momentum in a way where you do have to like pivot this ship. It's not just, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to make a change in my life for myself. And some people are affected. It's like this whole community of people are affected and they have to start relating to you in a different way. And some people like it and they want to follow along and then they become clients. Like the people I work with now, so many of them have followed me since the very early stages, like you and people that, you know, I've met at my book launch party this one girl she said she was following me since 2014 and it's 2023 now and I'm like that's so crazy right and there are plenty of people that are like I am not for this I don't like this I I think this is not for me anymore and you have to process a lot of that Mm. emotionally Totally. And it's like, I think I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it and it's it's becoming more and more a thing because we're humans, right? We evolve, we change. And so social media, especially for business or brands, becomes so like it, you're doing it every day. So you're sharing this one thing and about yourself. And when a big thing changes, you talk in here about like vegans going back to eating meat. It's like you almost yep. feel guilty. It was, I've gone through, actually I am going through the same thing of switching mm-hmm. from my brand was all about helping women with Crohn's disease and like almost just sharing my Crohn's disease journey. And then yep. in 2021 started the business and don't post much on my Instagram at all anymore because I've just like, I don't know what to do over there. It's such a weird place. And you kind of did the same thing with YouTube. You you did post a few business videos, I remember, because I was like, she's yeah. coming back. <laughs> and I was like, never mind. <laughs> so what was that? What was the relationship with YouTube like for you now and maybe yeah. in that transition journey? Yeah, I found YouTube to be much more difficult to transition for me because I did. I don't know. I think YouTube is a, is a cool place because you get audio and visual And when you're vlogging as well, you're sharing so much intimacy and personal. It's like Instagram stories, but on steroids, because you're just like in someone's world for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. And I would make videos three, four, five times a week sometimes. So it's just such a deep place that you can go with people where they really get such a specific type of experience from you beyond Instagram, which can be more like I spend... 10 seconds reading this post and then I like it and then I move on with my day and I see other content creators and their content. And maybe I catch up with you and your Instagram stories and you're doing something and I spend enough another couple of minutes with you. But on YouTube, you're spending like a significant portion of your time watching a video, commenting, engaging with it. And like you're watching a TV show and it's a little bit different. So I found YouTube a lot more difficult to pivot, especially that first one, which was very jarring. It was going from one industry to another. It wasn't just expanding. And in the book, chapter 11, I believe it is, I talk about pivoting powerfully and the different types of pivots you can make. And you can make a pivot, a shift pivot, which is going from one space to another where you're changing something entirely. You can also have a deepening pivot where you deepen what you talk Mm. about and you expand the topics that you talk about. And there's different types. And I've done a couple of different ones, but that first one was such a big shift. So I found it more difficult to transition that it's that community from one thing to the other. And it was a different thing for them as well. So what I decided to do instead, I tried, like you said, making some business videos and then I tried to bring it back, but I did a podcast that I found really helpful to have a separate platform of like, okay, I can be more, it feels in some way emotionally just more free yeah. and there's less resistance to me saying the things that I feel called to say. Yeah. And I can almost build a new space on there and a new community of people that podcast and do self-development. And that felt a little better. And YouTube, yeah, just it's not that I didn't want to come back to YouTube specifically, but I also started doing different things. So I also went from more influencer style content to 
coaching and entrepreneurship, which the way that I kind of think about it is when you're doing influencer content, you're spending a lot of your energy making videos, editing videos, working with brands. And when you're coaching people and running a business, you're spending a lot of your time on Zoom calls and in meetings and making curriculums. And it's just a totally different experience. So a pretty boring I- vlog to like watch someone be on Zoom for eight hours. <laughs> Like, I'm not like up and about doing, you know, go to the grocery store. And I mean, I'm doing those things, but that's not what the business is about. So yes, it would very much so sitting and doing computer work. (laughs) That's so cool. So you, it kind of led me to the next question is like, you pivoted and you just didn't feel like YouTube was the place anymore. And then you started a podcast, which I literally was listening to every single week for years. And then you've stopped that a year ago approximately as well. So how do you know, like, how are you kind of feeling into what's the next platform or what's the next move or like, cause it almost is like a breakup, but you're, it's one-sided. You're like, no, I'm ready. I don't like this anymore. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. move on to the next one. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's so tough. I think I am sure that most content creators sit with themselves on YouTube or podcast or Patreon or any of the things that we are consistently creating on and ask themselves like, oh, when am I ever going to get a break? Or like, do I need to cocoon myself for a little while so I can really process what's going on in my Mm. life and then maybe come back to it? And I think so many content creators don't do that or don't think that they can do that. And obviously it's, it's a challenge for the audience who's used to having a podcast, right? So many people still ask me like, when are you bringing your podcast back? And I want to, my personal experience with the podcast and YouTube and video content, there's been a couple of different elements to it. And I think that this is a deeper conversation that I wanted to bring with the book followed as well, is that we're not just content creators in Mm. the sense that we're making content today, tomorrow, the next day, we are going to be content creators, many of us probably for the next 20, 30 years. And it might change. Like there'll probably be a time when I'm like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> I've said a lot of stuff. Like I'm my kids can over. do it now. <laughs> yeah. The kids can do it. They take over. It's fine. <laughs> Family business. Right. But the way that I've been, you know, kind of living my life, I've been going through a lot of growth and healing, and I have just added a lot to my life in terms of friendships, travel, um, marriage. Congratulations. Work. <laughs> marriage. I'm so excited. There's just been so much stuff going on in my business and I was writing a book and I personally am a very energetic person. I'm a sensitive person and I have reached burnout in my business multiple times as a creator and an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I have decided for myself, I don't want to do business in the way that it's going to burn me out. I need to have sustainable ebbs and flows so I can keep going for the long haul and continue doing things. And I've also found it really a powerful practice to cocoon myself in terms of podcasting and speaking about certain things and making YouTube videos and stuff like that. And when I come back, it's going to be a totally different vibe. It's going to be totally different conversations. It's going to be something that's a lot more congruent with who I am now as a person. And I think I've had to be in a process with myself without being so external in certain platforms. Like I'm still making content on Instagram. I'm still writing emails. I'm still coaching people. I wrote a whole book. Like there's plenty of stuff I've made, but it's just been, you know, less in on certain platforms. So when I look ahead now, after 10 years of being a content creator, I turned 30 in a month as well. I started when I was like 21 oh, and I know I'm excited. So the the decade of being a content creator has really just showed me like, okay, it's a lot of energy to maintain, sustain, mm-hmm. making content on multiple different platforms, constantly using your creative energy and thinking about what content am I going to make now? What podcast am I going to do? And how do I prepare for this? And like, what if I just want to take a break. right? And like, I think it's really important to take breaks. I found it's really important for my sustainability, my energy, my sanity. And it's also really impactful being able to see what happens and what comes through you creatively when you do take space. Yeah. I relate so much as a fellow projector, like the burnout from consistency is insane. (laughs) And we we can't do it. I'm just coming to terms with that this year. I'm like, I I actually can't. (laughs) And we don't put like, when I try to, it's just like the content is subpar because it's like, you're literally just trying to stay consistent. And that's, I think the projector kind of the human design. And for those of you that don't know, Amanda and I are both projectors. It just means that 
we're amazing at amplifying other people's voices and things like that, but we need a lot more rest and space than someone who's just like able to go and go. But I think that's so cool that you just give yourself that permission. And it is, it's true that you come back every time as like a whole different butterfly, but you don't have to come back to that specific platform if you don't want to, or you can in a different way. And that, well, first of all, when you did it on YouTube, I think you were probably one of the first that did that Mm -hmm. big transition from like completely nothing that's similar. Yeah. So that must have been tough doing it. Like, yeah, you had no one to look to, to say like, what do I do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just had to happen. And I was like, all right, we're going to go for it. And yeah, yeah, there was at the time there was less models and I don't know how it feels to have a lot of models of people before you that have done it and then being able to follow in footsteps. I think I also had this benefit of naivety and having this kind of, and also being young and not having a lot of experience of like, yeah, I'm just going to like, go head first and see what happens and fuck around and find out. And, you know, all of the lessons that I learned, like now I'm a lot more cautious in a lot of ways where I'm like, okay. It comes with the thirties, unfortunately. I think so too. (laughs) Okay. I have awareness of what happens like for the podcast, for example, I know what it takes to run a good podcast. I know how much editing goes into it and time and energy and the conversations. And when I come back to it, I want it to be really something I can be as consistent with as I decide I want it to be. And I also want it to be of a certain quality and I want to be able to be energized enough to keep doing it. Yeah. So just a lot more awareness and thoughtfulness and intentionality now going into thirties. <laughs> so cool. And you've really shifted to when you were doing the the content back in the day, that was all you did. You had not a lot of friends where you moved, but now you have a full life with a husband and like a massive yeah. friend group that you love. Are you still in Texas? Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. So you moved two years ago. Yeah. 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 You moved during the pandemic. And so how do you find that balance between like, you know, wanting to still be successful and do your creator at heart and put that content out there and write the book, which I'm sure took a lot of effort and energy and then still giving, you know, so much attention to your partner and to your friends and and family. Yeah. And I think it's the question of balance is, is something that I always am looking to create. I'm like, how can I have as much harmony as humanly mm-hmm. possible? I'm also a Libra rising and I love harmony and I love, I love when things are, the scales are feeling good and peaceful as much as possible. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's not necessarily life, right? Like there's going to be ebbs and flows in different areas. So the thing that I've found really interesting to watch life unfold before me is that there's always going to be lessons happening in, in any given area. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've always tried to focus on in figuring out like, okay, how can I have the business that I want and the relationships I want and the friendships I want is that things do have to adjust a little bit. But I think that there's a level of like prioritization that either happens naturally or you choose to make happen. So there was time when I was like, I have to prioritize my relationship and the healing that's happening. I know this person's going to be someone I marry and I have to focus on this. And that means my like sleep is going to be a little bit less because we're going to have hard conversations and we're going to stay up late and we're going to really talk about things and we're going to unpack conditioning and traumas and fears. Mm. And then now that is an extremely stable place in my life. We've done so much healing together and we're really in a stable marriage. And we're also polyamorous as well. And that's another, you know, pathway that I think is, is an interesting piece of totally because there's so much instability that people think of when they think of like, okay, if you're dating other people, like, isn't that also something that is creating instability? And we're five years into our relationship. We've done a lot of beautiful healing. And we found a lot of security and stability through that healing work. That relationship is currently really stable. So right now I'm focusing on friendships that I want to continue nurturing and also business that I want to, I'm, I'm in the middle of another brand pivot refinement moment. That's yeah. another fun thing. That's, that's just happening, right? It's just my intuitions guiding me towards a little bit less business structure Here's how to build offers and here's how to do all this stuff. I still do a lot of that, but I focus more on how to be yourself and how to be authentic mm. in that process and like what that looks like. Cause that's really what I focus on with myself all the time is exactly how do I, how do I be me in this thing? And as a projector and as a, a sensitive person, I feel when things are off so much and so much more than I ever have in my life. 
So that's also why followed is written the way it is, right? It's not just how to build your social media audience and how to get a community. It's how to see yourself as a human being, as the content creator, every single piece of content you make, every single pivot you feel you need to create. And how do you bring congruence between your Mm -hmm. online presence, your business and your relationship and who you actually are? Yeah. So many amazing nuggets in that followed is such a well-written book. And there's so much in there that it like, it really isn't just social media. It talks all about things that nobody's talking about when it comes to digital marketing and the, and the trouble and the, the balance between your ego and your soul and like all those things. I literally did a a talk a few weeks prior to getting your book about creating from the ego and the soul self, because it's such, there's so many people who try to get onto social And they're creating from that ego, the like, what are people thinking of me? Exactly the questions you have. What do they think of me? What do they think I think? What do I think they think? Like that (laughs) is in the book. And I so, so related. But something you said, I so admire how open-minded you are. Like I was there when you first got Cooper and you were in your other relationship and then you transitioned and you weren't even like, you didn't know if you were open to polyamory. And well, you say it affected your audience a lot, but like, even with business, you did the same. You were just, you follow your intuition and your heart, even if the whole world says like, absolutely not. First of all, how did the, since we, since you brought it up, I feel like probably everybody brings it up because it must've been a big (laughs) shift for you. But as something that I always wondered is like, I've been in my marriage, but my relationship for 12 years, I don't relate to the polyamory, but I love to watch it because it's like the relationship between you and John, but like his relationships in the past and like his, him so open and like him always kind of like, I think he said always kind of felt wrong in relationships because he felt bad for wanting other partners, but he's such a loving and caring person and like so romantic. And so it was so cool to watch you open up to this person that you obviously loved, but you weren't sure if you liked the other world and just go into it feet first. And you kind of did that with YouTube and then pivoting your business and going into even just going into business, like all your friends stayed in fitness and in pursuing whatever was coming next in that career. And you're like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go this way. So like, that does seem to be a theme of of how I live. (laughs) I love it so much. And it's so inspiring. Like it's cool to see and you're still happy and successful. And it's like your world doesn't crash if you're open to other ideas. I think the thing about my world doesn't crash. It's like, I trust my intuition so much because it's, oh, it's never steered me wrong, but it's not to say that I haven't had like really, really difficult Mm. times as a result of following that. Because when you let go of an identity or when you let go of something, it's not just bye. And then it's easy to be in the new things. You actually really have to, that's why so many people don't do that. Yep. Um, so many people stay in the thing that is familiar and I, we all love familiarity. It's easier. It's more relaxing sometimes in a certain way. Yep. Right. But it's that feeling of chronic mediocrity versus, yeah. Uh, yeah. Versus like acute stress for a short period of time. So you can ultimately have deeper peace in the long run. Oh, I love and- it. That is really the difference between staying in a certain identity, a certain brand, a certain construct, a certain relationship style, a certain conditioned belief system about who you are, who other people think you are, your ego, all of that stuff Mm. versus feeling that glimmer of possibility of actually, I think there's more for me. I think that there's something else for me and actually deciding to do that and putting yourself in the process of like, okay, that requires of me is actually to grieve this other thing is to be witnessed in not having it all figured out. Mm, And to be, for me, that's another reason why I wrote Followed. It's like I was watched in the process of figuring myself out and having to just accept myself in every moment because I knew that I had to trust that on a deep level. And if I didn't trust it, then I wouldn't be accepting what I was feeling. I would be denying it. I would be resisting it. As much as there is pressure to be a certain way on social media, having witnesses and having people really see me for who I was and what I was doing in my process helped in a lot of ways for me to continue going. Because the moment that I kind of put myself on the hook and said like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm changing again. It continued to help me anchor into like, all right, I, I got to do that. Because not only am I, do I have to do it for myself, but I'm also, you know, sharing myself authentically and, and like representing what it looks like to do that. It's so cool. 
there's so many times where people like, they're like, oh, my intuition was wrong because I'm struggling. I'm heartbroken. I'm crying. It's my world's a mess. It's falling apart. But like the other side of that is so beautiful. Do you have a process now that you've done it so many times where you can number one, identify like, (laughs) oh shit, here we go again. (laughs) And like maybe what you do about those feelings of like the the grieving, the, okay, well, this was a massive part of my life. Now, how do I trust that this is going to work out? Yeah, I really do. And and it's not even one that I specifically came up with, but just recognized is the process of grief in general, mm. the the stages of grief. And just, it's not my process. It's just what has to happen for any kind of death to occur. Right. And you can Google like the stages of grief and you'll yeah. see the process of like, okay, there's going to be denial of like, no, this isn't really what I want. This is not who I am. Maybe I don't have to do this. Maybe this isn't real. And you can also Google the hero's journey and see just like the, the denial of going into the the new world, like choosing to stay in the ordinary world. I forget what it's called. Refusing the call, the refusal of the call. Yeah. And you see the other thing and you're like, nah, that's not for me or that's not what I really want. Or it's going to be really difficult if I choose it. Mm. And then you go into anger and depression and all of these other things. So really being able to mostly my process is allowing, allowing what is at the end of the day, it's allowing the process of emotions to unfold. And I've also, you know, we have to gain tools to allow things to happen, right? We have to have mental constructs that support us. So I always come back to the universal principles of I can trust my intuition and like the emotional process of this doesn't Mm -hmm. represent wrongness. It represents like the natural unfolding of surrender and, and grief into building something new. It really grounds me and regulates me to remember that being in the void of not knowing the answer is actually a really beautiful and potent creative space and knowing what to do there versus just being like, oh, this is wrong. This feels bad. I don't know how to be in this space. Actually knowing that it's going to happen helps really regulate yourself when you're in that and recognize like, okay, what can I do in here? Like what comes next in that process? And I do outline a lot of the pivoting stuff in that chapter if you want more details on how to pivot. And also how to grieve the old you and and follow Mm -hmm. it as well. And then from there, like when you learn how to process the emotions that you're feeling and confronting, whether you're facing jealousy or you're facing self-doubt or you're facing fear of being seen or you're facing fear of failure, any of those things, being able to sit with, acknowledge, face, and actually like digest and allow those emotions to process through your body then you can get to the space of like, okay, what actions do I need to take in the new version of me? What what does the version of me that is my true self or my authentic self or my more embodied self actually do? And how can I train that muscle? So it's being able to kind of be oscillating between being in the old world and being in the new world and recognizing that it's a process mm. to get your body on board with being in the new world. That's so- and no, it's going to take time and it won't be, won't be easy. Just think about if you go through a breakup or you move or a family member dies or anything, including a loss of someone or something that you once had, it is a process to exist in the new thing. Same thing with business or branding or relationships. It's really the same thing of, you know, it's more of a death of the self, of course, or a death of a version of you that you thought you were. So you can allow for something new to come through. Oh my gosh. So many amazing nuggets. I love it so much. It's like, there's so many moments where as a creator, you're like, I feel like creating right now, but like, what am I being called to create? And, and really being able to sit with yourself and be like, you know what? It isn't that thing that I've been doing consistently for years. Like it's something brand new in the book you speak about when you went to the book writing conference and they made you say, we're all authors. And you were like, wait, wait, I'm not an author yet. How did that process go from there? So that was February of 2020, right before the pandemic. What was the process of writing the book and like becoming an actual author? Like you can't hide from it now. It's out on Amazon. It's on my desk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I think one of the things that is most scary is when you decide to be an author or a podcaster, 
there is that vulnerability that comes with being seen and witnessed and more of yourself. And also having to be in the process of figuring out how to get good at something when you know you're just going to be new. Yeah. So just that feeling that I had in the story in the book of like, okay, am I, am I ready to face that emotion yet? Am I ready to face the vulnerability of that? And am I ready to claim the identity of author when I haven't yet written a book and when I still doubt myself and my ability to do it? And it was such a cool exercise because it was just really confronting immediately. And it had you confront like, no, you, if you don't decide this, you're not going to write the book because you're just going to keep allowing yourself to slip into self-doubt. So if you haven't decided you're an author yet, you'll, you know, maybe write an outline and then quit or, you know, you'll get to the hard part and you will not finish it. And that happened many times for me of just like, hey, this is a challenge to write this. It required plenty of witnessing my own writing flaws and how, you know, when you write a book, it's permanent, right? And you can possibly have like a second iteration with your publisher or whatever, but ultimately it's permanent. It is finished and people read it. And I even just reread the audible book and I'm like, oh, there's like a few grammar things and I'm not a perfectionist, so it's okay. But you know, it's permanent in a way. Yeah. And when you're writing Instagram captions or when you're on a podcast, you can be a lot more fluid, casual. You don't have to edit your Instagram caption a million times to make sure it's perfect. Some people edit things multiple times. I know I edit more than I ever have, especially after writing a book. I'm like, okay, I see how much better things can get. But I really was tested with my own writing abilities and skills. And I was very humbled in the process of organizing information in a way that Mm -hmm. was really well, not just well written, but well thought Mm -hmm. out. And it challenged me creatively. It challenged me mentally. It challenged me emotionally in a lot of ways. There was also when you're writing a book, you're essentially alone. I had an assistant writer and I had some friends that I would share things with. And I would tell my audience about it sometimes. I'd be like, this is the thing I'm writing. And people would be like, I'm excited. I'd be like, okay, that that keeps me going. Because ultimately no one has read it until two weeks ago. (laughs) Being able to trust myself and trust not just that the book is going to do really, really well and that people are going to like it, but just trust that I just need to write this. And that's Mm -hmm. one thing that kept me going. The mindset that kept me going was I just need to write this and I just want it to be out there. And if one person reads it, cool. I just am happy it exists. And that's like the way that I needed to think about it versus this book is going to do this many sales or make this much money or anything like that. Like couldn't even be a part of my thought process because that would take me out of the service of it and the creation of it that really came from my heart and soul. So many questions, but like, oh my gosh, I love it. And it reminds me a lot of like when people want to start a business and they're like, I am I have a side hustle. I have a side hustle, but they will never claim that they're a business owner. Even if they're making like multiple six figures, they won't claim it (laughs) or the opposite of someone's like, I don't want to work I just want to make money online and I'm going to make all these millions because I'm going to be online, but they're not doing it from their heart. And you, you did both of those things. What was it like for three years to be writing this such a, it's not just like how to be social. It's so much more than that. It's a lot of your stories and being vulnerable and, and going in depth about like the ego and things like that. And then, and then also getting married at the same time and it now being all like brand new world opening almost like close to around the same time. Yeah. It's a funny year because of like the book came out, I got married and I'm turning 30. So it's like Saturn return is closing. (laughs) It is really like I, I birthed a lot of new things. So the last three years have really been about gestating, if you will. Mm. (laughs) They've really been about cocooning. They've really been about mastering things to a point where I can feel, especially with the book and writing and creating from my heart and soul and creating from the right place, but also being really thoughtful about making sure like the the stories are written well and there's enough facts to back this up and that up. And also just the process of writing and like how much time, effort, energy and money it, it required. And the one of the bigger pieces of that process was letting go of focusing on work more and focusing on this creative project that had a long term success pathway that was extremely uncertain. So one yeah. of the other themes of my life, <laughs> which goes back into that same theme of I am wholeheartedly going into this direction that doesn't have a certain success pathway is just getting comfortable with uncertainty in general and being able to find comfort and not knowing and find safety in my body 
to hold that. I don't know how things are going to look, but I know I have to do this. And that's where a lot of the tools come in that you talk about in the book, like breath work and things like that. Cause it's, it's hard. You can't just hold uncertainty. We're human. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it, it, that takes a lot of work to be able yeah. to do that and be, be really strong. You mentioned how expensive the book was. Is that something you're willing to get into and like kind of talk yeah. numbers? Cause I'm so curious. Totally. Yeah, totally. And I, I know so many people do books in different ways. For sure. I decided to invest in more support because I like collaborating on a team. And especially with a creative project, I love having a thought partner and someone that's like really smart to be able to help me craft ideas. So I hired an assistant writer. She's been incredible. We've worked together for the last two years. So she's been like a consistent team member for the last two years where we've done book stuff. Her role in the book was doing research, helping with structuring. Sometimes essentially the process would be we would decide what has to be written next. And then we would do as much of an outline together as possible. And then I would help outline like, okay, maybe you write this section and I'll edit it. And then I'll write this one and you edit it. But, you know, I would give her all the ideas of like what I wanted to be in the section. And then she would help pinpoint like, okay, this needs a story or like this story's not really working and that kind of thing. And it was so, I wouldn't write a book any other way. I think. And some people do. Some people have a faster process or a different process. My process was I loved having a thought partner. That's a projector thing too, right? I wanted to write a book for years, but I'm like, where? No, I'm good for now. (laughs) Oh yeah. She's a manifesting generator. She's incredible. Her, um, her partner is a projector. So we, we had a lot of like human design sync ups and she's also a human design expert. So she she would also always tell me like, this is why we work really well together. And like, you have this gate and I have this gate. And it was really fun. That is amazing. So you paid for her. Did what about like the publishing process? And are you willing to share like the total number of getting this book out to the world? I, okay. So I made an investment into the scribe media company for the first year, because I thought I was going to go that route in terms of publishing. I think that program cost 15 thousand for the year, but I didn't end up continuing with them because I didn't fall in line with how the structure was working. Essentially, it was like a in-person workshop that I went to that I got so much out of. And then the continued coaching was like a weekly group call where we would check in on Facebook and we would check in with like our process and then we would get some group coaching, but it wasn't really working for me. And you were just supposed to write on your own, right? Yeah, write on your own. And it was the first year of my writing, which was 2020. And I didn't really get into like, okay, this is exactly what I want to write. Like I took a lot of breaks in 2020. There was still a lot. I didn't have as much space as I really needed to with my business. Mm. So I wasn't, I was dedicated, but like, I didn't, the, the structure wasn't working for me in terms of like how they did it. Yeah. So I decided to go with the traditional publishing route. And then I got an agent. They take a percentage off the top of the deal. So you don't have to pay them directly. Oh, cool. Um, But I also paid for $10,000 for a wonderful person named Rochelle. She helped me write the proposal for the book, which is essentially write two full chapters, write chapter descriptions for each chapter, and then write a marketing plan. Wow. And it took three months total. We met every week, I think. And we did like live writing. And that process was really powerful because it gave me an outline that I really like having a book is so much structure based. Yeah. So if you don't have a structure, it's going to be a lot more difficult. Like if I recommend any book writing process to anyone, um, even just getting the scribe method book is super helpful. And most of the stuff in the book is also in articles on their website. And I would always just go back and be like, oh, I wish I just used the structure they offered because it's actually super helpful. More structure, the better. And then from there, I... I think I've been paying my assistant writer 1700 a month or so for okay. both book stuff and social media stuff. So we have just an agreement of kind of general hours and general work provided. And that's been for the last like two years or so. And then publisher wise, they paid me a certain amount advance. And then my deal was more of a profit share deal. So over time, the more books that we sell, the more that I can make from the royalties of the book itself. Okay. So they make a cut or whatever, and you get more and more over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so everyone, cool everyone's to see. deals are different. Because I've been interested in the world for a while. So I'm seeing all the different like book coaches. We actually had one on, yeah. on the podcast a oh, little while cool. ago. She's amazing. And she works with like a lot of, she's invite only. So she's like higher up there, but she has a similar mastermind structure. And then she does one-on-one as well. But there's so many different ways to get books out there. And yeah. it really is yeah. about thinking like, how do I work? Because when I think about a writer, they're 
in a dark room writing forever, just being creative. That's not going to happen for me. Like, I'm not going to just like spill my guts out on the keyboard without yeah. somebody telling me like, create this structure or do this this way or like yeah. have that partner to talk through ideas with. And that's so cool. Yeah. So cool that you found and one way wasn't working. So you pivoted and that's the same for life and business too. And it's hard when there's big investments involved, especially if you're just starting business. I know you weren't, but yeah. that's where it can be even like, I went to and it took Sam Skelly's breathwork in San Diego her first year. And it was like 10 grand or five grand or something like that. I had no idea why I was going or why I was taking it. But you, it's another time of trusting your intuition and being like the uncertainty. But I know that the other side of this is so fruitful and I just have to follow it. It's just so cool to watch. And that's, I guess, where followed comes in is now we get to share those journeys and watch other people's journeys and be humans online. And you talk about that a lot is like social can be this place of comparison and just seeing people's highlight reels, but you really try to show the hard than the struggle. Where did that come from? Where have you always been like that? Or is it just like over time? What makes you continue to do that, even though it's can suck? <laughs> you know, I think that we all have different gifts, right? Like I think the gifts that we have, we're so oblivious to them because yeah. they do come naturally to us. And it's also important to remember that, you know, everyone has gifts that come naturally to them. And then there's also things that you can build and develop. But I think it's like really cool to be like, oh, this thing comes naturally to that person and I can learn a lot from that. So I have definitely found in my life, I also have plenty of privilege and I have really great family experiences growing up. And I've had the privilege of being encouraged to be myself by my family mm -hmm. for my whole life, which made it probably baseline easier to be able to just say where I'm at and trust people. So I have a lot of trust in myself and people inherently. And of course, as I've grown and I've had like adult relationships and different experiences, I'm like, I don't need to share everything with everybody. I, I can definitely pull things back here and like, you know, keep my vulnerability close to my chest here. And like, not everybody needs to know everything, but I feel grateful for that gift of being able to have somewhat of an ease of sharing the difficult things that I go through. And it's been a skill that I've continued to harness and develop. And the biggest piece of that is releasing shame and judgment against myself. And the moment you can find the thing that you're judging yourself for and the thing that you're scared to share, and if you have your own shame and judgments about it, that's when it's going to have that friction and resistance to you bringing it online and sharing it with other people. And of that's course, it's a trickier process than that. But when you are not ashamed of yourself and you're not ashamed of your mistakes and you're not ashamed of the things that you struggle with and go through, then you can share them. And storytelling, I think, is like one of the coolest de-shaming processes ever. I think that when you share a story that you were once ashamed of and you've now worked on not having that and then you share it with other people, it's this like collective de-shaming process that I think <sighs> is really beautiful. And so powerful too, because you can stay stuck for so long in shame. Like you can stay there forever. So, so powerful. I have one last question for you. And this one was kind of came from, I think a section in the book where you say you let go of the seven figure business owner kind of title. What is one misconception that comes to your mind of seven figure business owners online or just in general? One misconception. I think that a lot of the specifics of specifically the female entrepreneur business coaching space. I know that men in that space have like a different context altogether. I met a guy recently and he didn't know what bro marketing was. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like that's so wild. Like I feel like in the women's entrepreneurship space, there's such a deeper process. Like we're all having conversations about like, okay, in the industry, like I see people do this and stuff. So I think we're, we, we talk about, and we're very attuned to what other people are doing. Yeah. And that's sometimes good, sometimes bad. But I do believe that between the timing of 2018 to 2021, 22, even there was a lot more people deciding myself included in many ways. Okay. Everyone wants to learn about how to build a business and everybody is getting excited about how to do that and how to make a lot of money. And like, that's a really exciting thing. So there was a lot more, I think, and this, this is still happening ease with saying like, okay, I'm going to make a seven figure business and that's going to get me more clients and that's going to create more credibility. And I remember being in this feeling and watching so many of my clients go through it as well of like, if I don't hit this number, then 
I'm not going to get to have this credibility marker of being in the top percentage of people that do this thing. And I know for myself, a lot of my business growth journey was so deep and personal to me, but it was also, some of it was rooted in ego and some of it was rooted in proving myself to other people, proving I could do it, proving I could make it, proving that I wasn't just a fitness influencer, that I also was smart and I also had credibility. And I was also in a friend group of a lot of really successful entrepreneurs in their thirties. And I was 27, 26. And being able to build something where I could say like, okay, I'm a seven figure business coach. I help people reach this number. And then in my own personal process, reaching burnout, being a projector and really coming to terms with like, I I actually can't operate this way. And I feel wrong for that because I have so many other friends that seemingly can handle more stress than I can, but like my body shutting down Mm -hmm. and having to let go of I had two products. One of them was my higher end mastermind. And another one was a 90 day start your business program. And both of them in different seasons of my five-year business coaching career were like $700,000 a year revenue generating Mm -hmm. products. And I canceled both of them at different times in my career. The first one was when I first reached burnout. And I was like, I can't do this this way. This is not not only do I feel in my body that this is not what I want to teach anymore, but I also just can't operate the way I'm operating. So I shut it down and I didn't know what was going to happen next. I still had my mastermind and I was like, I'll keep that because it's a little bit you know, closer to the people that I want to work with. It feels a little bit easier in a certain way. And then when I started to really need to finish writing my book, I was going through some deeper healing in my relationship. I also, I think this was early 22. I canceled the mastermind as well. I was Mm -hmm. like, I have to stop this. And primarily because I really needed more space, but also I was, I was like, I know that I'm actually not supposed to only teach business. I have to evolve and I Mm -hmm. can't do that while I'm still running this product. And I have to let go of this identity and be seen to not be that anymore. Yeah. And societally, if we pedestalize and value and reward people for how much money they make and how well they can exist in the capitalist society, that has its own texture to it that hurts people. Totally. And my process of not only trusting my intuition, but just deconditioning from that societal belief of my value is attached to how much money I make and people only value me based on how much money I make or how successful I am financially specifically. I knew that that wasn't truth. I know that that's not true, but I still feel in my body like it is. So how can I, and again, being a projector, I think is such a gift because my energy literally wouldn't fucking let me. Yeah. If I had more energy, I'd be like, I could probably do this and I would probably have a lot less difficulty. And I'm sure you might feel this way about your chronic illness as well. Of just like my body won't fucking let me do stuff. So I have to pick the right stuff. Yep. So yeah, and I think that's a really cool gift of being a very sensitive person or having health issues or just having this experience of like, I can't anymore. So in that process, I've decided, and I've been on the journey for the last probably two years of rebuilding my brand and business from a place of true sustainability, true intuitive connection to what I do, Mm -hmm. not going too fast just so I can make a certain amount of money, just so I can be seen to be making a certain amount of money or to be seen to be successful in a certain way, really doing it from my soul and from the truth of knowing I am valuable just for existing. I don't even need to have a business or help people to be a valuable person in the world. I can just be myself, but I'm happy to have gifts and wisdom and knowledge that I can package and share. And I'm excited to do that, but I'm not going to hurt myself in the process. Yeah. I started SNS, which stands for sick and successful. And maybe like the projector and the chronic illness didn't allow me to do it from the beginning. I did coaching for a little while. And as a coach, you're giving your whole soul essentially to your whoever is paying you and it can cause burnout so quickly. And so the fact that you did it for so long, but SNS stands for sick and successful. And so I built, we're a digital marketing agency and I built it in a way that everyone who's here, there's 15 of us now all have a chronic illness or take care of someone with a chronic illness or are stay-at-home moms. 
So we all operate, we don't have office hours. We all operate project-based, we're on Slack, but we work when works best for us. And I've built it in a way that now I've recently been able to promote my VP and my VP of ops where I'm able to now step back and do what I love, which is speaking and hopefully writing the book soon. And But I'm also a mom to a three-year-old and a wife and all these other things. So business doesn't have to be like a place of um, stress and anxiety all the time. If you started or when you're recreating it, you're looking at what can I sustain or want to do from my heart and how to help people, whatever. But also, how do I build this and not look at what everybody else does? Because if I looked what other digital agency did, I would have had a brick and mortar and like some man president running like nine to five hours. But yeah. we, we've grown in the last two years to being the 15 of us um, because it's not your regular, you know, nine to five digital marketing agency. And I love that you're redoing it and, and doing it in a way that's going to fulfill you and that anybody can do that in any business at, or even job, right? Like you can podcast as permission to change whatever you feel like changing in your life and not feel shame from it. I loved this conversation. That's so beautiful. And I love, I love just knowing like you designed your team in that way and the way that you all operate and it deviates from the norm. So whenever you deviate from the norm and you innovate, you have to trust first, like, am I doing yeah. this wrong? And you have to grapple with feeling like you're wrong or like it's not over and over. And, over and over and over and then own it. And finally be like, no, actually this works for us really well. And I think it's a really cool story to be able to hear that you've been able to do that. So there's so many typically men that are like, why aren't they employees on a nine to five? Like you would be able to write so much more off or you'd be, I'm like, it doesn't matter. I don't care. That's not why I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, if you want, oh, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say a story. I had a guy entrepreneur message me on Instagram a couple months ago and they were like, Hey, why do you change your offer so often? Like, I feel like you, it would be interesting to see you maybe do one thing and focus on it. I feel like that would be better. I'm like, yeah, well, (laughs) that's not who I am as a person. (laughs) I'm sure financially that would be great, but like, no, thank you. Yes. I love it. No, I just wanted to say that if you ever want to do your podcast again, we would love to produce the first few for free and love to work with oh, you. But you. we do that yeah. as well. Yeah. And I can't wait to see the new butterfly that comes from your cocooning in, in podcasting or whatever you decide to do next. Cause I love following you and we'll be following you till you have little babies running around. <laughs> yes. And then we'll take over the Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or whatever platform. Oh my gosh, who knows what's gonna be around then? It's kind of scary to think of. <laughs> Well, before we go, the red carpet is yours. Is there anything you want to share or last thoughts for our audience? Or obviously I'm going to put all the links in the show notes for the book and her social media platforms, but yeah. Yeah. Just get followed. If any of this conversation was interesting to you and it's such a baby to me. And I think it's really the feedback I've gotten so far is just so much value from, for so mm-hmm. many people. So you can go to amandabucci.com slash followed Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Maybe it's in your local bookstore, but yeah, just, just grab, grab a copy of it. I would love that. I love it so much. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Remember, dream big. It's possible for you and your next version of success is around the corner. Mwah! <laughs>